The reading for our meditation tonight is taken from the Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter, beginning with the 10th verse. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes, but Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Thanks be to God. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the gift of your Son who was sacrificed to atone for all of our sins and for raising him back to life from the dead for our justification and to provide us with such wonderful hope for our future. Bless us tonight as we meditate upon that resurrection. We ask it all in his saving name. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed who have been purchased and bought back to God by the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God's grace, kindness, and compassion are yours to be found exclusively in that Savior. Amen. We are kind of a rare generation. We pay people to take care of our loved ones when they die. That's actually unusual in the history of the world. It's actually a little bit unusual for even the modern world that we live in today. The vast majority of people around the world typically take care of their own loved ones, burial, and take care of preparing their body and so on. For many people, it's a very personal thing. In our day and age here in America, we try to get it as far away from ourselves as we can, but that's not the way it is for many families. And not too many generations ago, maybe your great-great-grandparents, let's say, so your grandparents' grandparents, they probably, many of them, Uh, prepared the body of loved ones when they died, maybe on a farm or something, right on the dining room table. And they would change the clothes, and they would comb the hair, and wash the face and the arms and the feet, put on the the suit or the dress in order to prepare that body. It's a, a totally different world from what we're used to today. If you drive just through southern Minnesota, you can see in little places here and there, little corner lots where there were some uh, sort of like farm cemeteries. And if you look, sometimes there's only about 12 gravestones or so. 
That's not uncommon right down here in southern Minnesota. In Minnesota, the state law uh, didn't get put into place that you had to file with the state for a death certificate to notify the state until 1870, 17 years here in Blue Earth County after the county was established. You didn't even have to report the death. Quite often, people would just take their loved ones, put them in a casket that they homemade, and went out in the backyard and, and buried them. I was present for a, a burial similar to this over in Ukraine many years ago. I was there staying with a host family, and the father of the man I was staying with had died. Only been there a couple days. And they took me to his apartment, and I sat in the room while they started to prepare his body for burial. They put it in a, a box and everything and <clears throat> kept the lid off of it. They fixed him upright and we helped carry it out into a van. They took it to a cemetery outside of town. Two teenage boys had been out there for about two hours digging a, a grave for him. They were all filthy. And when we got there and placed his body by ropes down into the grave, there were about 40 people around. We all were asked to use our hands to push the dirt over his body. Completely different way, but that's probably the way it is for a good majority of people in our world today. Our generation here in the United States is maybe a little unusual. <clears throat> so, who will be the person to take care of that for me when I die? Who will be the person that oversees and manages that for you someday when you die. Our text today, that tonight, uh, introduces us again to this wonderful Mary Magdalene, one of our Lord's followers. And Mary Magdalene was from the town of Magdala, which is along the Sea of Galilee. And uh, she's the one we find out earlier in the Gospels from whom Jesus had cast seven demons. Just think what that must have been like for her, to have had possession of seven demons inside of her and how wonderful I'm sure it was to have Jesus drive those out of her. Tradition tells us that she probably was the sinful woman mentioned in the Gospel of Luke who anointed Jesus' feet, cried over his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. We know that she's present at the cross, she's present at the burial of Christ, and now we hear tonight that she, she comes uh, early that Easter Sunday morning to finish, the, to complete the process of, uh, of preparing Jesus' body. The sun had gone down on that Friday night. That meant that the, the, uh, uh, the Sabbath was starting and you could not be around a body once the sun went down. And they probably didn't finish the process. And so she had to come right away as soon as the sun came up Sunday morning to fight decomposition of her Lord's body. And what love we see from her and these other women who show up. Uh, tradition tells us they probably had 50 to 60 pounds of spices that they would use to, to place all over that body to keep bugs and everything else away. So put yourself in Mary's place for just a, a moment tonight. Put yourself in her place to imagine coming to the grave. It's probably still kind of dark out. Sun is just starting to come up and you want to get there as fast as possible. And there's this strange, strange scene now that you come upon. And uh, think, of, think of all the things that probably started to go through her mind. Here was this great friend of hers who she wanted to take care of now in his death. 
This man who'd meant so much to her, who had changed her entire life, driving these demons out of her. She's all geared up to, to show such love and tenderness to him and to take care of his body. Her eyes are probably still welling up with tears and she got up so early that morning and all of that. So kind of put yourself in her place what this was like. Not only had your good friend died, somebody who was such a tremendous teacher to you and everything else, but now you get there and the, the body is gone. And you were there to help put it in the grave so you know clearly something has happened. Something is amiss. And then we see this, this wonderful little encounter with Jesus, but she doesn't know it's him right away. She doesn't recognize him. And there's, there's confusion, obviously. And I imagine at that moment she feels very let down that, that all of this is so puzzling to her. And her mind is probably just racing like I know mine would have been to try and make sense of all of this. Now, some people wonder, why wasn't she able to recognize him? Some speculate it might have been dark, or maybe Jesus had a covering over his head of some sort, or maybe it was just that God didn't permit her to recognize him. A man by the name of Johannes Ilvesacker, father of our Doc Ilvesacker, he writes this, Her grief is like a veil before her eyes. And the sight of Jesus as the living one was so absolutely beyond her fondest expectations as to be entirely inconceivable. But then, of course, comes this wonderful moment. And kind of put yourself in her place again of what this was like to, to, suddenly, to suddenly realize that she's talking to Christ himself. This is one of these turning points in the Bible. They're different stories that have these tremendous twists in them. And this, this is like one of the greatest ones ever. Jesus just, all he says is her name, Mary, Mary. And upon, think of, of hearing that if you were her, okay? Think of hearing that, all the things that would flood through your mind. She turns around and responds to him with the word Rabboni, means more than rabbi. Rabbi is just a teacher. Rabboni is like the highest of teachers. So she recognizes him, the great Lord that has cast those demons out of her and has changed her life. And she now turns and, and calls out to him. And you can, you can kind of hear the excitement in her voice and the surprise in her voice. And this is now also a turning point in her personal life. Uh, this is starting to, to, she's starting to filter through how this changes everything. It changes why his grave is empty. It, it changes what's happened to him. Uh, all of these things start to spin through her mind. The Greek word is very interesting here for her turning around. It actually is a word that you would use to describe someone spinning. <laughs> she turned around so quickly. And it's wonderful, isn't it, that she recognizes Jesus not by his appearance, but by his voice. Isn't that a wonderful thing? It's his voice, that same voice that casts seven demons out of her, the same voice she had heard that taught her the things of the kingdom of God, the same voice that had talked to her about her sins being forgiven, now that voice calls out to her just with this one word, Mary. Makes us, makes us think of that beautiful passage where Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And I always wonder, what did, what did it sound like when Jesus said that? I'm sure it was a totally different tone of voice than when he called out those demons that come out of her. This was a soft and gentle and yet firm enough for her to recognize who he was. You know, when I was about seven years old or so, my dad took me downtown 
to meet a relative who was coming in on a Greyhound bus. And there were two large bus loads that emptied out right at the same time as we got there. And my relative was on one of those buses. But all of a sudden, I got separated away from my dad in this crowd of about 70 or 80 people, all these big adults with suitcases and things. And I just remember being afraid. I'd lost my dad now, all the hustle and bustle. But suddenly, over the top of all this noise, I could hear, Donnie, I could hear my dad's voice calling out to me. And it was interesting, all the things that that turned inside of me to recognize about him. All the things that, if you will, I read into that calling of my name. I, I recognized security and love and someone who cared about me. It suddenly, it suddenly, even though it was just one word, just drew all of that out of me and I immediately tried to find where that was coming from. This one mention of Mary's name that one small word to her embodied so much from the mouth of Jesus. Not only his love for her and his care and concern for her, but that he's risen. He's come back to life again from the dead. Death has been defeated. He really is everything he claimed to be. He really is the very Son of God. All the promises that he made he now has the capacity to fulfill those and to carry those out. All of that is packaged into that word, Mary, when he calls out to her. One commentator says this, In that one word and its tone was all the love, the sympathy, and the helpfulness of Jesus. So put yourself in her place. Now I'm going to say it this way. God invites you tonight to put yourself in her place. God invites you tonight to put yourself in her place because that same loving voice that called to her on that day, on that Easter day, is calling to you and me through his word tonight. And he calls us away from the sinful things in our lives that could pull us away from him. He calls us to repentance. He invites us to his loving and forgiving and tender care. And he calls out to you and me tonight, Come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. One last thing to notice here. Notice how Jesus connects all of this to what's going on up above with his Father. He says, he talks about, I must ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Martin Luther says, with these words, Jesus opens heaven to her. And that's what God does for you tonight and what Christ does for you too tonight. He had to ascend up into heaven to open it for you and me. And notice how firmly he speaks about God the Father in heaven being your father in addition to just being his father. So God desires tonight and every night of your life that you put yourself in the place of this Mary. And like her, by the work of the Holy Spirit, Apply to yourself the wonderful, compassionate voice of your Savior and the tremendous power of his resurrection in your life as well. Amen.